And uh, so glad you're here on our final week of uh, our Frantic Family series. Uh, We're entitling this talk, Call Me Maybe, because we're talking all about technology today. Uh, So um, if you're here and you are a parent and you're just really concerned about technology and your kids, you're in a good place. Because uh, we're just in a time, we're living in a season that's just a little cray-cray when it comes to parents. Um, it, let me say, if you, if, you, if you don't have children, we all have a relationship with technology, don't we? And all of us, we struggle through how soon and when and can we and should we. And this is just going to be a conversation that I'm really looking forward to talk to you about today because even though our technology and our culture is changing very, very quickly, um, we serve a God and he's given us his word that never changes. And we're going to see these two intersect today as we talk about technology. Now, uh, y'all give it up for my wife. Um, We've been teaching this series uh, for the past five weeks, and uh, she is uh, she's a little tired because last night she decided had this harebrained scheme that she was going to go to Paducah uh, and she was going to do something called Ruts. Now Ruts is run under the stars. So you started running at what time last night? Eight o'clock. Eight o'clock last night, and she ran from eight o'clock last night to five this morning. Um, and she hasn't had a sleep or anything like that. She, you did a 50K, is that right? My goal was a 50K. A 50K is 31.5 miles. I ran 35. So, and I, what I did last night was I slept. So anyway, uh, but we're really, like I said, I, Kim and I have really had uh, the pleasure of being able to teach us. I love teaching with you. It's just been fun. I hope you guys have enjoyed it because we've enjoyed it. So, so let's dig into this today. Um, we are not perfect. Uh, we don't have it all together when it comes to parenting. Uh, I showed you this pic before, but this is our family. Uh, we've been married 22 years, and we have three boys, and uh, we're still learning through this. We have our youngest. His name is Bingham, and he was born in 2007. He was born two weeks before we started One Church. Um, so uh, Jed, uh, he is 10 years old. And Jed, uh, he was born in 2004. And then our oldest, our oldest son, Walt, he's a handsome dude, isn't he? So uh, he is 16 years old. He was born in 1998. And he's actually running all the slides for us today. So um, I want to tell you, when we started parenting with Walt back in 1998, back in the Stone Ages... It was a different time, wasn't it? In fact, I want to just kind of talk about that because I, back in 98, I came, if we wanted to rent a movie, you actually had to go to a place, Blockbuster. In fact, I still have my Blockbuster membership card as well as I have a Blockbuster gift card that has money on it that will never, ever be redeemable. Um, a little bitter about that, right? I, I, I remember um, just, uh, I mean, when, if you just wanted to do some things back in 98, like rent a movie, you had to go to some place. Anybody remember this sound, right? When uh, the 14-4 modems and that... Anybody remember dial-up? I mean, that sound still haunts me to this day. It just does. Um, and and I, I think I spent the majority of my 30s trying to connect online and get the busy signal. Um, let me tell you, 1998 was the year that Google became a company and nobody had heard of it. 
1998, and look at where they're at now, right? I mean, but when Walt was born, there were, there were no MP3s. Nobody had ever heard of those three letters and numbers put together. Um, I mean, you couldn't, uh, if you wanted to, a movie, you actually had the, it was a VHS. Anybody remember those? All right, or DVDs. They were kind of just kind of coming into. Uh, I'm just saying, you, it was a different culture. So uh, when, when we were raising Walt, um, you know, to do computer, and we had one computer in the house, and we had it in the living room, and it was in a public place, and that's kind of how we kind of monitored everything because it was pretty easy back then. And then some things, something changed, didn't it? It did. In fact, there's been two modern inventions that's happened over the past five to seven years that have been game changers. The first one is the move from dial-up to broadband. Uh, moving from dial-up to broadband. Get this, back in 2000, only 11% of the people in the United States had even access to broadband internet. Now, you put that statistic in today, 99% of people have access to broadband internet. The only people that don't, the 1% live in North Dakota. And we're praying for you, North Dakota. <laughs> anyway, right? I mean, now you can get somewhere really, really fast. If you wanted to go someplace on a 14-4 modem that you shouldn't be, uh, you, you wouldn't get there anyway because it, it would sit there and it would just be loading, 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 right? Now it's there. You can download gigs, I mean, literally a minute. Now, another thing that's happened that's been huge in, in changing this technology, moving at the speed of light, it was back in 2007, Steve Jobs uh, held up a little thing in his hand, and this was the first iPhone. It was the first smartphone. Before that, all of them were dumb phones. In fact, how many of y'all remember you owned a flip phone? Anyone? Let me see your hands. All right, very good. Thank you. Thank you. Um, how many of you would say today you own a smartphone? Let me see your hands. So the majority of us, exactly right. And see, now, our children, they have the ability not only to surf broadband mobile, but they hold the internet in their hands. And they download apps, and they watch movies, and they stream music. I mean, I remember, I still have a CD collection. Anybody remember those? Jewel cases and everything? I mean, I try to tell that to my children, and they're like, what are those? Is that like something you invest in? I don't know, right? I'm just saying, it's changed a lot. So for you as parents, it's got us worried, hasn't it? Let's just be honest, it does. Because when it comes to our children, so many times they just, they're in front of screens, and we want to make sure that they go places that, that they shouldn't go places that they, they just shouldn't. And we're trying to figure out how do we navigate that and then what, what type of boundaries do we set up. And, and if you're in the two to three years old, you're worried, but you know, you're still worried about diapers and formula and all that jazz. If, if they're in elementary school, you're starting to sweat a little bit. If they're in the tween years, 10 to 13, you're like you're in the shallow end of the pool. And if you got teenagers, good luck. And, 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 and really, the... My answer to all of this is you should have had your children about 10 years ago, and it, things would have been a lot easier. But since you don't and you didn't, let's dig into what God has to say about how parenting and technology and how they should intersect. Because at this point, our tendency is we want to control. We want to control. And let me tell you, you have more control now than you, than you will ever have with your child. But let me tell you, as we get through this, your tendency is going to say, you know what, when my daughter reaches 13 years old, we're just going to become Amish. 
right? That, 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 that may be some of your, like, but let me tell you, this is interesting. Do you know that that's not even a fix? You see, Amish, back in 1910, I can't even make this up, um, the old uh, order of Amish had a synod. Um, I don't know what that is, but I had it removed once. But a synod is like, it's like a meeting. And they, there was some technology going on that they had to make some decisions on back in 1910. And it was concerned around the phone, centered around the phone. And they, they found that the, the phone, having a phone in a home was intrusive. So they fixed that. They decided, you know what, we're going to not put the phone in the home. We're going to put it in the barn, and if you go by uh, many Mennonites or Amish places, they have these phone shanties. And that's how they... But let me tell you, the, the struggle with that is now they're still having dialogues about because nobody really has home phones anymore. I mean, the landlines are kind of gone by the way of the dodo. They have these mobile phones. And what do you do with the internet? Uh, so just going Amish or becoming Mennonite isn't the answer either. And as we go through this process... There, we've got to figure out there has to be a better way. You know, for some of us, it can cause us to worry as parents. When you look at the information that's available, the technology that is available, the questions just start to flood your mind. Who is my child connecting with? What is my child saying? What are people saying to my child? What pictures are being sent? And what pictures are my child sending? Uh, what sites are they on? What things are they seeing? I mean, it can, it can take your brain and just blow it in about two seconds when you start to think about all of that. And so the question for us becomes, as um, Christian families, you know, how do we begin to navigate through that technology? Because it's not going anywhere. And we could try to shelter our kids, but let's, I mean, let's be honest. It is the way of our culture and our society. So, do we just bury our heads in the sand and hope that it goes away? Or, yes, oh, okay, <laughs> okay. well, good. <laughs> Let me know how that goes for you. All right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, so the questions become, what do Christians do with technology? How do we interact with it? Yeah. You know, some churches are really dealing with this now, and their websites, and, and how, do, how do we promote that? And is that a good thing, or is that a bad thing? And what I want to say, first of all, today is that technology is neither good or bad. It's not evil, and it's not the greatest. It is what it is. It's just technology. Um, but what it does is that it amplifies what is already there. It takes information that we already have, that we have access to, and it makes it, number one, faster, and it, it gathers all of it and brings it right to us in a very quick way. So technology itself is neutral, but it reveals what is already there. Here's an example. Some people have issue with Facebook um, because it causes difficulties in relationships. For example, some people have said, you know, Facebook is no good because I know my friend over here ended up having an affair with somebody that she met a long time ago and they reconnected on Facebook. Now, you and I both know that affairs have been going on for a long time. I mean, that's just something that people have done for a long time. Facebook didn't cause that. Now, did Facebook make it more accessible? It could. Did Facebook make it so that people could connect with, pe with others in a way they haven't before? Absolutely, yes. So Facebook itself isn't necessarily evil, but that taking that technology and having it and being able to use it is certainly something that you have to look at and weigh out. What are the pros and cons? 
Here's an example, version. This is something that we encourage you to download all the time here at church. There have been 180 million downloads of the YouVersion Bible app, free. So when you think about it that way, think about all the people that have access to God's Word that have never had that before. That's pretty amazing. That is pretty exciting. That's right. There are devotions on there. There's daily reading plans on there. There's all types of access that people have. So is this a good thing or a bad thing? And that's what we're going to look at today. You know, if you've had an issue with gossip in the past, technology is probably going to allow you to gossip more and more often. If you're a person who likes to tell everyone your business, oh, yeah, well, technology is the place for you to do that. So we just have to look at it and say, what are, we, what are we engaging in and how is it affecting us? And that brings us to our big idea for today. Our big idea is character corrects what technology reveals. And that's where we want to spend a little time, talking about our character, talking about our conscience, talking about the fact that technology is going to reveal a whole lot of things. But we must have character and integrity in order to be able to navigate through that. It doesn't matter whether you're a Christian or a non-Christian. Each one of us has character that is developed in us. Each one of us has a conscience that we work through. I believe God wired us that way. And so what we're trying to do is develop our character. And as Christians, this is even more legitimate for us. Because there are some things that we should not look at. There are some things that we don't need to see. There are some pictures we don't need to be exposed to. And so we have the opportunity to begin to navigate that field. Our natural knee-jerk response as parents is to shut everything down, unplug everything, and to go dark when it comes to technology. That's our natural response, but I'm going to argue against that. And and I'm going to tell you the reason why. One of the things that we started off at the beginning of this series is we talked about a principle, and it was called this, parenting with the end in mind. Parenting with the end in mind. And if you missed that, let me just go over it briefly. Parenting, if you, as, if as, as a parent, if you parent with the end in mind, what you are doing is we need to focus on who we want our children to become, not just what we want them to do. And, and because here's the thing when your child gets out of your house guess what's going to happen they're going to get connected to technology they will technology is here to stay and like kim said it's not bad or good it just amplifies and reveals what's already in us so what we need to figure out is is early on we need to set boundaries we need to set some external limitations those are good we need to do that as a parent we need to do that that's our job but then it must not just stay in the boundaries external limit section it's got to move past that because we want them to become someone it's all about character. Remember, character is who you are when no one is looking. At the end of the day, if we as parents, if all we do is set up these externally imposed limits, when they get out of our house, guess what's going to happen? They're going to go cray-cray. They will. They're going to lose their ever-loving minds. Because all you, they've heard is no, 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 no. And many times we're really good at telling them no, but not telling them the why behind the no. And we've got to move beyond that. Here's a a, a statement I want to uh, just throw up on the screen. And it's this. Externally imposed limits 
don't carry the power of internally owned values. You just have to listen to my voice. All right? Externally imposed limits. Externally imposed limits. Don't carry the power of internally owned values. They just, they just don't. One of the ways is apparent, externally, externally imposed limits. Okay, That's where we do boundaries. Don't, 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 don't. Should we do that as parents? Yes, we should. Absolutely. I'm not arguing that we shouldn't. And we should do that early on. Um, in fact, one of the things that the reasons it says in the Bible that if you do that to your children, if you give them boundaries, if you discipline them, it proves that you love them. Right? But once they start growing older, your focus has to change. Because if you're just saying no, 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 right? After a while, when, as adults, when somebody tells you no, what does that make you want to do? Yes, yeah, sure. It does, right? It just, it does. But I mean, if I tell you, if you see the speed limit is 45, what does some of you want to do? 50 or 55. It just, it just you do, right? Okay, some of you, you're like, okay, listen, and, and please don't raise your hands on this, all right? Um, but some of you are like, I think that some drugs need to be decriminalized. Um, you know, and, and we have a whole conversation that's happening in the United States, and especially in Washington State, in Colorado, um, about, you know, pot. I mean, should it be legal or illegal? And some of you would say, you know what, it needs to remain illegal. Others are going to say, no, it needs to be legal, right? And, and it's an externally imposed limitation. Right Or this, some of you, you would come into church and you're like, you mean to tell me that I can't have sex unless I'm married? That's so old-fashioned. I mean, whose idea was that, right? And you're like, that's just, and, and, and that kind of blows your mind. And because it's an externally owned value. It's, a, it's, a, it's an externally limitation that somebody's saying you shouldn't. And, and just like if you see a sign that says wet paint, what does that make you want to do? touch it you see externally imposed values don't carry the same power as internally owned values now let me tell you let's go back to the driving some of you you don't drive the speed limit you drive under why because you have an internally owned value you may have been in a wreck earlier and it was horrific and it changed it was a pivot point in your life and you just you won't you're not going to drive over the speed limit and it doesn't matter if the law's there or not. You're just not going to do it. Because there's something happened inside of you. It's an eternally owned value. Otherwise, I mean, if they make pot legal in Tennessee, you're not going to smoke it. Um, because you have friends that you've seen, his life has been changed drastically for the worse because of drug use. Or maybe you came from a home where a, a mom or a dad was affected horrifically by drug use. And you're going to say, no, no, I'm not going to do that, even if it's illegal. Even if the law changes, because I have an internally owned value. You know what? I, I mean, all of us, we would say, especially myself, I'm not going to cheat on my wife. I don't need a law for that. Because I know how much that's going to horrifically change her and my children. And let me tell you, the Bible says all of us are just one step away from stupid. So we all have that tendency to drift there, right? So externally imposed limitations don't carry the same power as internally owned values. They just don't. And when it becomes internally owned in your life, then you really don't need the external imposed limit. 
So the same is the true with technology. What keeps us from clicking on the email that says that we need l- larger body parts? Right? Uh, it, it, it's because there's something inside of us that you don't want to go down that road. What stops you from clicking on the sites that you shouldn't go? What stops you from replying in a, a, a bad way to that email or, or, or go on Facebook and blast somebody over social media? It's not that there's a law. There has to be something inside of us. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for parents, that's where the challenge comes in. Because now we are facing um, issues with our children that would have happened much later in life due to technology. And so a conversation that you might have had at the age of 10 or 15 now has to take place 5 to 10 years earlier. Mm. And so, you know, we're, we're kind of trying to find that balance of, how soon is too soon, but I don't want to wait too long in order to be able to talk about these things. And so, you know, if we're not going to go Amish, uh, we've, real, we've got to realize that, you know, our children will be impacted by technology. Probably every one of us in here has had a situation where maybe our child has gone to someone else's home and has been exposed to something that we would rather they not see or rather they not hear. And so, so it causes us as parents to have to engage in a conversation before we're ready for it. Yeah. Because we, we want to be prepared and we want them to know of dangers, of things that they need to watch out for. And so what we have to start doing is we have to start having conversations. So the question is, what is the reality check that technology reveals? What is it the thing that inside of us that we have to check into? And and the answer is our character. We have to begin to talk about what does character look like with our children? How does character behave? We can't wait now until they're 15 years old to begin to have that conversation. We've got to move that back to an 8-year-old, a 10-year-old, a 12-year-old. You know, some people would argue, well, you know, I can go to the, I can go to the grocery store and, and I can pick up a magazine. I could pick up a Playboy or I could pick up some other thing. So, you know, that's bad. So now are you just going to ban everything that's bad? Well, of course not. That's not the way our society works. But what we have to begin to do is make decisions based on godly character. We have to make decisions based on what God has told us to do. So we're going to take a look in the book of Matthew this morning, chapter 7. If you have your phone, feel free to pull it up on there. Matthew chapter 7, verse 24 is where we're going to be today. If you have a Bible, feel free to turn there as well. And this, in these verses that we're going to look at, Jesus has been doing some teaching. And even if you're not really familiar with the Bible and God and all of that, I'm sure some of the things he's said that in this teaching you've heard before. This teaching is called the Sermon on the Mount. The reason that it's called the Sermon on on the Mount is because Jesus was teaching a sermon on a mountain. So there's no hidden meaning in there, no no deep theology going on. Jesus was standing on a mountain doing this teaching. And some of the things that he was teaching about was um, turn the other cheek. Or be willing to go the extra mile. Or blessed are those who are humble. Blessed are those who are meek. And so this is what what God has been talking about. He's been talking a lot about character. He's been talking a lot about how we live our lives. So let's take a look at Matthew chapter 7, excuse me, verse 24. And it says, anyone who listens to my teaching and, what's this word? Follows it. Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it. I think a lot of time we miss out on the following part. 
We can hear about God. We can hear about the Bible. We can hear a lot of things. But to follow it takes action. That's right. We have a saying in our house. We say it to our boys all the time. If they were standing up here, they would know what it is. It is... Listen and obey. Listen and obey. It's not enough just to listen. I need you to obey what I have asked of you. And that's basically what's happening here. Um, following is the application process of listening. We hear what's been said to us, and we give, begin to put it into practice. It's kind of like buying paint. You could have gallons and gallons of really, really good paint in your basement. And you could have a living room that is screaming to be painted, right? But what good is that paint if you don't apply it? Answer? None. Then, and see, that's exactly what Jesus is saying to you and me. That Jesus is saying, my teaching is the exact same way. It's not a question on whether you just listen to it. It's about following. It's about applying. It's about putting it into practice. In fact, that's the reason why Jesus said it this way. He said this, this phrase all the time. He says, he who has ears, let him hear. He's not saying, hey, there's a bunch of people with no ears. What Jesus is simply saying is, do more than just hear what I'm telling you. Act it. Apply it to your life. Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is, this next word, is wise. Is wise. And, and it's not, you don't get wisdom just from listening. You get, that's great. Listening is great. But it's when you follow. It's when you apply it. Some translations say putting it into practice. That when, and that, when you put it into practice, guess what happened? That becomes an internally owned value. It's not just external anymore. Hey, you should do this. No, it's like, no, I need to do this. And our character grows. You see, it, when something, uh, when God does something inside of you that like, uh, it, it, and, and you start praying for your enemies and loving your enemies, praying for those who persecute you, when, when God does something inside of you and you turn the other cheek when somebody hits you, when God does something inside of you when you're willing to go that extra mile, that makes you, you, you feel blessed even when you feel poor. That's what God does. He stretches our character and he said, when you put it into practice, that's when you become wise. In fact, you will be like a person who builds a house on solid rock, meaning your foundation of your life is secure. Though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house... It won't collapse because it is built on what? Bedrock. Exactly right. Now, unless, if, you're a parent, if you're not a parent, if you're an adult, raise your hand. Some of you are like, am I? I don't know. Okay. See, here's the thing. What Jesus is saying to us today, this is applicable across the board, is don't just listen to God's word. You've got to act. You've got to do something. You've got to apply. And I think what Jesus is saying is this. He doesn't say if the storms come. He, he says when. Do you know that there's some storms coming? Now, some of you are like, oh, okay, Pastor, I've been on Siri, and it's supposed to get up to 91 degrees today. It's clear. Okay, I'm not talking about physical storms where we can see that there are some storms coming in your life. There's some storms coming in your marriage. There's, some st there's going to be some waves and some upheaval at your work. It's just bound to happen. Your children are going to go off the rails. And when that happens, when those storms come, guess what's going to happen? Your life, it may get battered. It may get beat up a little bit. But you will be able to stand because your life is on bedrock. 
And that's what we talked a little bit about last week. One of the definitions of integrity is being able to stand the storms of crisis and still stand after the fact. And let me tell you, that happens in you, and and it can't just be external boundaries. That's great. We start with that as parents. But it needs to transition into our kids not just listening but doing, and that becomes internally owned values. It does. Crisis always reveals character. Do you know that? It does. If I had hot water and I put a tea bag in it, you wouldn't know what type of tea it is. But once I put that drop that that tea bag in the hot water, you will find out what type of tea it is. Because crisis always reveals character. But anyone who hears my teaching, verse 26, and does not obey, doesn't put it into practice, is foolish, like a person who builds his house on the sand. When the rains and floods come and the wind wind beat against that house, it will do what? collapse with a mighty crash now it's not about whether they heard the teaching it's about doing something with what you heard applying it and look what jesus says he's saying life there's going to be some storms it has to move from externally imposed limits to internally owned values because your character will correct what technology reveals what it's already in your heart always mm-hmm. Let's take a look at James chapter 1. We're going to jump over a little bit in the New Testament. James chapter 1 verse 2. And notice this first word, it says, consider. Now, what part of our bodies do we use to consider? Our brain. That's exactly right. We use our minds. We use our brains. And so if we're talking about a character where, and a character and a conscience that are going to choose to correct what technology might seek to corrupt, mm. we have to have minds that are trained. We have to have minds that are able to consider. They have to be able to look at the circumstances and begin to understand and begin to process that. And that is the process of understanding and living out biblical truth. And parents, this starts with us. We can't teach or impart something to our children that we are not doing ourselves. If you don't understand the word, if you're not in the Bible, then we can't be a good example of that. I can't be a good example of that. So how do I expect my children to consider and to begin to think through God's word, to think that truth, if I'm not doing that myself? You know, some of you may say, well, I came from a home where my parents didn't care what I did. As long as they knew that I was alive, that was all good. It was fine. Well, now that you are out of that situation, how does that make you feel? Does that show love? Does that build security for you? I know for me, this morning when I got ready to head home, I texted Chris, I'm on my way home, and he immediately responded, please be careful. That gave me security to know that he was at 4 o'clock in the morning awake and thinking about me and caring about the outcome of what I was about to do, which was drive home. Those boundaries and that, that creates security for our kids. It is our responsibility to protect them. It is our responsibility to make sure that they are safe and that we look out for their well-being. That's part of those externally right. imposed limits. But even more so, how much more do we need to guard their hearts? How much more do we need to give them the tools to know that this is what character is? This is, what, this is how God speaks to me through my conscience. You know, it's easier for us to say, stop doing that. Don't do that anymore. You need to quit that. 
But to make that connection between why that happens is huge. They may try to push against it. They may try to say, whatever. Or, you know, it may be through tears. It may be like, I'm sure we've all seen that. I'm sure we've all been in that situation. You're just like, oh, my word. How am I going to deal with that? You know, but the, the important thing is that we, we as parents have to start, start a conversation, teach biblical truth right. so that they will know how to apply it to their lives. Absolutely. And the best way I can see us doing this, again, when you're younger, you do the boundaries, you do the external the external imposed limits. But the problem with that is when they grow up as teenagers, what do they do against those externally imposed limits? They push back. So there has to be a transfer where they start becoming internally owned values. How does that happen? I mean, as a student pastor, I was a student pastor um, back in... uh, a while long back, long time ago, long time ago, um, and I, uh, I was a student pastor in Auburn, Alabama, and I saw um, a parent and a middle schooler do this perfectly. Back in uh, the late '90s, uh, Christian radio and a lot of Christians were up in arms and really against Harry Potter. Anybody remember that? Okay, and if you're against Harry Potter, I'm not going to make fun of you or anything like that. I understand that, um, uh, but. Uh, they were just railing and railing and railing against Harry Potter. And uh, I remember, you know, parents saying, okay, you shouldn't read the books because, and they really didn't have a because. And I saw this one parent say, you know what, here's what we're going to do. Everybody's reading Harry Potter. Uh, They bought the Harry Potter books. And this Christian parent sat down and read Harry Potter with his middle school daughter. And, uh, and then afterwards, once they, they would read a chapter, and then when they go to the Bible, and then say, okay, what does the Bible have to say about that? You see, I like that. Because when we just shelter and try to keep people from culture um, and, and don't really teach them how to think, what happens when we don't teach our youth how to think is, uh, and we only shelter them when they leave home and when they leave the church, guess what they do? They crash and burn In fact, that would be some of your stories, wouldn't it? That you got out of, I mean, as soon as you got out of the house, you left Jesus, church, all of your values at the door because they really weren't your values. They were externally imposed. So we've got to figure out how do we make those values your own values. So it's not just your parents' God, but he's your God. And that happens through conversations like my friend, when I was a youth pastor, that just did, all right? It just happened. Let's get, keep on going. James 1, 2 says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face what? Trials of many kinds. Why? Because crisis always reveals character. Because you what? Now, when you know something, what part of your body are you using? Brains again, right? You know something that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Now, test. Anybody remember tests in school? Did tests ever bring good feelings to anybody? Probably not, right? Uh, I'll see you. All right. Um, but tests for 99% of the people did not bring good feelings because it was a crisis, wasn't it? It was a crisis. But here, the reason why your teacher gave you a test is they wanted to see, did you really know it? And has that knowledge become part of who you are? Has it become part of your character? Let me tell you, testing 
testing always it brings out your character crisis always brings out your character it will show you who you are it will show whether or not you're really applying it or not are you just listening perseverance look at this Um, we know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance and perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature complete not lacking anything parents isn't that what we want for our children don't we want them to become mature some of you your wives you're like i'm just wanting that for my husband okay i get it all right but mature and we want our children to be have character that's complete don't we want our children to not have any missing parts about their character we want them not lacking anything about their character I think that's major because crisis always reveals who we are, our character, and your character is going to correct what technology reveals. Jesus said it this way, that there's going to be some crisis. There will be. Your kids are going to go through some storms. You're going to go through some storms. Uh, Your parents are going to go through some storms. Your teenagers, stormy weather. It will be. But when they hit that stormy weather, when they hit that crisis, it's going to reveal, have they listened or have they listened and obeyed? Have they listened and applied it? And your character will always correct what technology reveals. So as we close, we're going to answer this question. When should my child get Facebook? When should I allow my child to get Instagram? When should I allow my child to get a smartphone and internet activity, internet connection, and email address and all that? And here's the thing. I got some great news. Is I have found some very deep scriptures from the book of Second Hesitations that shows us the exact time when your child should... Now, here's the thing. In Second Hesitations, King David gave a smartphone to Solomon when he was 13 years old. Joseph and Mary, they chose to give it to Jesus when he was 11 because he actually was the Son of God, right? He's perfect. He was perfect. <laughs> and then if you take those two and add it and divide it by one, the, the magic number that you can give your child technology is the age of 12. Let's pray. You know what? I just made all of that stuff up because you're like in second hesitations. Where's that at, preacher? Right? Here's the thing. There's no magic number. There's no magic number. It's not. Let me, let me say it this way. What, do you think I would ever tell you the exact age when your child should start learning to drive? Let me tell you. At 16 years old, I wasn't ready. I, you know, I chose not to get my driver's license at 16 because I would have ran over everybody. <laughs> right? It was... Tell them what you got no, for just, your 16th no, sh- birthday. Just tell them what you got. What'd you say? Tell them what you got for your birthday. My birthday? When you turned 16. Wasn't it 16? I'm not going to go there. We don't have enough time. So, and my parents are in here, and there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. All right. Not a bad thing. Well, I, I, I had a friend, Charlie Bumpus... He says, at 16, you're going to get a car because he got this cool truck, right? So I'm like, okay, car, 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 right? 16, um, uh, all my friends are there at the house, and, and they said, okay, close your eyes. As my parents said, close your eyes. I'm like, okay, hold out your hands. So I go, because I'm waiting for the keys, right? And I knew something went horrifically wrong when they took my hand and turned it over and placed it on the handlebar of a bicycle, right? And I was like, right? But here's what something that they knew and I knew, I wasn't ready to drive. There are some, you probably have some 14-year-olds who are probably ready to drive. 
all right? Um, because they're mature. There's some of you that are 38 in here that your driver's license needs to be taken away, right? Because. What are you doing? I did nothing. I did nothing. Anyway. So what's the answer? What is, if, you, if, if, you, if you have, a, we have three boys. When, when our, one of our boys says, okay, I want a phone, or I want a computer, I want internet activity, what's the answer to that? When you're ready. So what does that mean, when you're ready? Because if your kids are like my kids, that answer is going to be like, well, what are you talking about when I'm ready? I'm ready now. Bring it on. You know, bring the technology. Well, there's a few pointers that we want to give you today that are going to help you kind of know uh, or help discern what ready is for your child. Now, the first thing you have to know is that every child has a different personality. You know that well. You live with them. Some of them are more responsible. Some of them are a little flighty. Some of them are, you know, right on task, and others of them take 15 minutes just to figure out, you know, where are my clothes. Uh, you know, so, so there's a whole different thing. So I think you have to start with, you know, what, where are they at in their development? And what does that look like? You know, take into account their personality. Take into account their responsibility. So that's the first place to start. Secondly, begin the conversation. Create the conversation. So because when you say, when you're ready, your kids are going to be like, I don't know what that means. Uh, yeah, or there, yeah, I'm ready, you know. But it's like, what are you talking about, Mom? And so in the meantime, you get to start the conversation That's about right. what does character look like. That's right. You begin to have those conversations about character. So that is when it begins to move from the externally imposed uh, rules, and that's when it moves into, well, let's talk about what it means to have this equipment. Let's talk about what that looks like. Because we know that by the time they get ready to go off to college, we're going to have to have some of those boundaries in place. So finally, the last step of when you're ready. Is it creates an incentive. You know, so many times, uh, teenagers, uh, they, it's, it's, that the phone becomes more than just entitlement. That I should have a phone because my, my friends have a phone. No, it's tied to something, uh, it's tied to the child's progress and demonstration that they have enough self-discipline, that they have some character, that you've noticed some character, that they will realize, okay, no, I'm not going to click. No, I'm not going to go there. You see, we as parents, we have to connect the dots between the what and the why. Parents are infamous in talking, telling our kids what to do. We are. But we need to become legendary by explaining why. Because your kids, they don't connect the dots between the what and the why. They don't understand why it's important to not click on that. They don't understand why it's important to, to, uh, to say no to this or to say yes to this. And we have to connect those dots. Because we can connect the dots because some of us, we've messed up ourselves, haven't we? And we can say, listen, what is seen can never be unseen. We've talked about that to our boys recently. I mean, we can connect those dots. We have to talk about the why. We can explain why pornography or why gossiping or why bullying is so damaging or why self-control is so, it's such a valuable character trait. that it, it, it'll, you're, It's going to push our kids light speed to where they need to be. 
right? And, and when you begin to allow them to use technology, still keep some boundaries in place. Absolutely. You know, that's, that's a great point. That's something that we um, even deal with now. Our son, Walt, he has a phone and has access to, to limited things. We've got some boundaries on there. But one of our rules is that we don't have passcodes on our phones. That's right. Because I, don't, I want Walt to be able to pick up my phone at any time and for him to know that there's nothing on here that shouldn't be on here. My mom doesn't have anything on her phone that I don't need to see. And the same with him. I want to be able to pick up his phone and look at a text or see what he's posted. So there again, we, we keep some boundaries in place for them to know. Yes, you have the privilege to use this, but there are some boundaries. Another one for us is that his phone has to be downstairs in the kitchen plugged in by 9 o'clock at night. And as we see responsibility grow there, then at some point, he will be allowed to go to 930 or whatever that looks like. And so that incentive for yep. as you show that you have character and responsibility, then we will begin to talk about other limits. So as parents, we, yes, we, we got to talk about the what, but we got to connect the dots between the what and the why. Because when you understand why, they will be motivated, motivated to do the what. They will. And you bring up, a, uh, as we close, you bring up a point, you know, that we go to Walt's phone and we look at stuff. And some of you are like, uh, is that right? Yes, Skippy, it is. As a parent, you better do that. Now, some think, well, aren't you imposing on his rights? Yes, sir, I am. Because he's in my house. Now, here's the cool thing about it. Um, uh, there's sometimes we've had conversations um, nothing about weird things, but like more like text and stuff like that. We're like, yeah, you probably shouldn't have said that, or you know, you know. And and it creates conversations. You got to have more conversations with your kids. But you know what? One of the things that we've seen with Wall is, you know what? He changes, and those start becoming more internally motivated values. And I check less, but I always have the right to check, and he has the right to check on my stuff. My wife has my Facebook password. I have hers. Right? Um, so uh, because we're in this together, uh, and let me say, there's a lot of stuff I could say here. I want to talk about conflict in social media. I ain't got enough time to do it. So here's what I'm going to do. Um, this week, I'm going to send you guys emails uh, once a day, uh, just giving you guys some tools about social media and technology and parenting. And even if you ain't got parents, uh, I think you'll enjoy it as well. So if you're getting our current emails, um, then you're going to get those. If you're not getting our current emails, then you're not going to get them. So uh, as we leave, you can go by guest services and you can give us your email address so that we can do that. So here's what I'm going to do is I'm going to pray for uh, us because I think we need it. We're in deep waters, aren't we? And I, I know this, that older I get, I, the more I feel like I become less technology, uh, technological savvy. And, um, and, and, and the more my kids are getting there. And I want my kids to grow up loving Jesus Christ. I want our children to grow up uh, treating women with respect. I, I want to see that move from externally imposed limits to internally owned values. And I believe the only way that's going to happen is through their character because character, character will always correct what technology reveals. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much, Lord. Lord, that we get to stand up here together um, and do this, God, because we're not perfect. And uh, we still have a lot to learn when it comes to parenting. Lord, I pray, Lord, that you uh, would fill in the gaps where we don't do the best job. And Lord, I pray that for our, our families here at One Church as well. 
Lord, we just feel so sometimes so outnumbered. And we're like a, a pebble dropping in the water, and there's just so much. God, I pray, Lord, that you would help us, the church and families, when we partner together, Lord, that those externally limits that we should place in our kids would move to go someplace internally in them so that when they leave, when they leave our nest, when they leave uh, Clarksville, when they go to college, whatever that looks like, where they go, when they enlist, however that looks like, God, Lord, that those values that we've talked so much about would become their values and it would become internal lord and that would happen only when we listen and when we apply what you tell us jesus christ for it's in your precious name that we pray amen